Welcome everyone to another live episode of 451 Degrees. Uh, joining me today is Joe Garza. Joe Garza was actually on the first episode of this series. Welcome, Joe. Hi, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to be back. Yes, definitely. Uh, and you host the Reckless Musecast, and I've been on that a couple of times. Uh, always love coming on your show. Oh. And um, <laughs> today we're talking about Hollywood and streaming networks uh, and their response to uh, watering down what scripts they're willing to produce based on ideology, for the most part, ideology. Right. Because right. um, you you write you write screenplays, yes. Yeah, yeah, not professionally, but it is uh, uh, it's something that I did move down to LA to focus more on. Um, so I don't claim to be uh, like an actual like industry insider, but I do have friends and acquaintances who are closer to the industry. So I, I definitely hear quite a bit about, um, you know, what's going on in the industry and some of the rifts that are starting to emerge from, uh, you know, some of these new diversity, inclusion and equity uh, uh, initiatives that are being forced on on filmmakers these days. So, like, I always assumed that a lot of this came about from 2020 from the Academy's uh, inclusion rules that they have, which we right. have. We actually have. Mm -hmm. We could share that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Maybe I can just do it. Oh, no. She did. Okay. <laughs> so they have this. This came out in 2020, and it's this weird thing where they say that they – they, they're not going to essentially that they're not going to have nominees that don't have specific amounts of representation in them. Right. Um, so like if you would get standard a on screen representation themes and narratives uh, and it's, it requires things like, Oh, uh, Asian Hispanic slash Latinx, Black, African-American, Indigenous, Native American, Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, other underrepresented race or ethnicity. So there's this idea that, um, oh, you have to have significant amounts of your roles go to diversity. Uh, and I felt like this kind of trickled down um, to... Uh, what producers were willing to produce when they had their hands on scripts. Do you think that, that this has like a major effect on that? Um, I think so. So um, looks like this is from 2020. I don't know if you saw recently, but the, uh, the Academy is actually updated these. So I believe these, um, these rules are actually going to be more strict. More strict. Yeah. So there's a new initiative. This is from the, the Academy's website. It's, uh, it's, it's an initiative called the Academy Aperture 2025. Um, and so the uh, uh, LA Mag did an article on this uh, back in March of this year uh, called Are the Oscars Over? And oh, yeah, there's a link to that ap Academy Aperture 2025 on this page. Okay. Oh, okay. Towards the top, actually. There is. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. Huh, I wonder there why it is. Still Okay, I guess they just didn't update the the date there because it says uh, September twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's um, so so yeah, we're, we're we're probably on the same page here. But uh, uh, yeah, this is I think going to cause a lot of problems. So uh, in the in the LA Mag article, there were some uh, anonymous sources uh, from the industry. Of course, they wanted to be anonymous, um, and they were talking about how anti creative these initiatives are because. 
Um, so, for example, I actually have a quote from the article here from someone here. It says, I mean, why aren't animals in this? What if the main character is a horse? So it's like, it's, it's like, where do we draw the line if there's not enough diversity, there's not enough inclusion? Um, I mean, I think, what is, how yeah. does Zootopia work? Right, exactly. Is it is that have to be your your hiring voice actors that represent these groups? Is that like what is the you know the transfer there? Right, it doesn't make any sense. Or if you're literally doing a live action movie and you have, but it's mostly about horses. Like, what do you (laughs) what do you do there? Right, exactly. Or what about you know some of the main characters are aliens or monsters or something like that? Well, do they have to do they have to fall within certain ethnic or or, or sexual groups as well? It's it's so it's it's vehemently anti-creative because it's putting a lot of extra um, pressure on uh, screenwriters um, because it's like, well, I thought I had a complete story, I thought it made sense, and everyone was on board with it, but now I have to go back and change this and that for no other reason than simply to satisfy. <laughs> Only so you know this film will be um, Oscar eligible. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, are the Simpsons? You know, Maggie Simpson. Does that mean that we have to get a real baby to play? Uh, it's just, it, like it's there's no line that's drawn here. And I think one of the big frustrations that I have with the concept of diversity and inclusion um, and, and equity, as as well as many of these other woke buzzwords that are being thrown around in the industry, is that there's no clear, con- uh, con- uh, coherent definition for them because at least if there was even if the even if the definition was dumb if it was clear and consistent at least we can debate it we we would all be on the same page about what it means maybe there is some useful application for it but it's just it's just oh this is not diverse enough it's like well okay i'll throw in a few more skin colors and different genitals all right fine is it diverse no not yet it's like well i don't know it's 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 so arbitrary and it's constantly shifting well i mean and i think about things like um the guy who uh, made The Revenant and um, oh, what is the the I like it better uh, Birdman Birdman oh, yeah. which I love but he he did The Revenant and The Revenant is almost entirely like one person like yeah, right. it, and it's like how do you meet diversity when you are literally following for the majority of your film same thing with uh, Castaway right. uh, one person. Like they, <laughs> no matter what you chose, you literally have no diversity because right. it's one person in throughout the entire story. And I, so to me, I'm sort of like, yeah, the limits on creativity in ways that writers understand. I think mm-hmm. when we're writing weird narratives, we might distill a movie or a story down to one person or only two people. And even right. then, like that's very limited or no people at all. So right. it's, it's, it, to us, we understand that this is ridiculous, Yes. but I don't know that audiences necessarily catch on like, like the, the like not like our audience probably gets it. They probably right. get why this is a problem. Yeah. Uh, just because first of all, it makes no sense, but from the from the people who just like to go to the movies mm-hmm. and don't like to think about these kinds of things, don't have concerns over them. Right. I don't think they understand what is happening. That what is going to uh, how this is going to hurt their uh, their movie going experience or their TV experience too, because it can happen for. Well, sure. it, it, we were specifically talking about the Oscars. I assume this is that a lot of this is also happening for TV shows that like. TV shows are not getting made that don't have diverse audience, uh, di- diverse casts, which is right. like, well, again, if you're 
if your show is like extremely limited in who it follows mm. or it's in, follows aliens, like right. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, the, the, you're, you're, you're right. I think where it's like the, the casual moviegoer, when they see a trailer for an interesting looking film, they go, Oh, that looks cool. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I want to see how it ends. I want to see how those characters get out of that situation because it looks really funny or really thrilling or really suspenseful. Um, so, and I also think you're right about how they might not fully appreciate because you know for them it might be easier to be it might be easy for them to assume like hey you're a writer just change uh, the male to a female big deal and it's like yeah but in my mind i always had the characters being male or maybe it made sense for me to have it as a male um you know the creative process is a weird mysterious thing that you can't really describe sometimes you're just going off of gut not really logic um so it's like yeah in my mind as i'm writing this it just made sense for this to for this the main character to be male or female or white or Asian or whatever. Um, so it's, it's frustrating. And, and I, I think that we're starting to see more, uh, I, 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 I think it'll be slow, but I think we're starting to see some slightly more pushback. Um, you know, the industry will never become conservative or, or centrist or moderate. I think it will always be very left-leaning, but I think at some point we're going to see some even very progressive creators in the industry going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, I was on board up until this point. Like, let's let's slow down a little bit here. <laughs> We've got a question for a super chat from Pilgrim Medea for $2. Is the pendulum swinging back, i.e. radical feminism? I do see pushback going on. I do mm -hmm. see people, because first of all, we're even hearing about it, which is great news. Yeah. Um, we're hearing articles uh, where people say that they don't like it, you know, and not just from something like, uh, you know, the, what is it? The daily wire or whatever, like right. we're, we're seeing it or Fox news. We're seeing those, uh, comments come out from, um, very news sources, which I think is good. And, um, so I do think people are going to be pushing back and also, I think one of the reasons why people are going to start pushing back is because the content isn't actually, good <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah yeah it's um i mean uh it, it's no secret that hollywood is is focusing on agenda over art over orthodoxy you know orthodoxy over originality and uh we're definitely seeing that a lot in in huge you know expensive movies um but it's clear that it was meant to push an agenda rather than um you know, just entertain an audience and it's like i i it, it's funny because a few years ago I was I was very frustrated with what I thought and, and I still think that I still think this to an extent that you know Hollywood um, Hollywood's biggest problem was the lack of originality. Um, but now I'm like you know I prefer dumb stupid agendaless movies over woke condescending lecturing movies now. It's like no no, no fine I'll I'll watch Fast and Furious 97 as long as it's just explosions <laughs> like I don't care like I'm fine with that. But don't tell me that I'm bad because I'm a male or because I'm straight or whatever. Well, to me, one of my issues, though, with this whole representation in the content itself is, say, like Beverly wrote in chat, uh, I'm going to show it, uh, most characters I write are white, and she's not. Um, and uh, I write a lot of male characters myself. Like, that is very common for me to write male main characters. Yeah. So uh, I, and then there's, in, in the gaming industry, to take it a little off topic, but uh Amy Hennig was a big, uh, is a big 
uh, gaming writer, like she wrote narrative and she's, mm. she's one of the minds behind Uncharted and the Legacy of Kane content. And they're not, she's not big on women in those stories and right. Uncharted, he was a white male straight, but she was ousted because of Uncharted was, uh, didn't have like diversity to it, but she was their diversity. <laughs> like, right. you know, like she, like to me, I'm sort of like, are you firing literal like people of other groups to yeah. get your diversity in your content? Right. Because right. The, isn't that a, to me, that seems like a major problem that you, you would literally rather fire someone and and they literally did replace her with like a straight white guy <laughs> for but their they were, work but they were agenda. Trans trans uh, Muslim characters though, so that's that's what's important. Yeah, exactly. They did it so that he could write the you know the the two girls uh, Uncharted game, but it's not like honestly, it's not worth your time. And but I feel like they do that they that I've seen this like a lot where they're like. Mm, this person's not woke enough for us, even though they are actually like what they would consider a minority. Like right. I imagine like if you wrote a story all about white guys, they might have a, not do it, even though you're Hispanic. Like I feel right. like it. it's the content actually matters more than who's behind the content at this point. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Because. It's, yeah. It's, 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 um, I consider it a form of, of like, it's like street legal uh, prejudice. It's like, oh, you're a creator of this identity, so why aren't you creating characters? Um, you know, you're, you're, you're diverse. You're a female. Why aren't you writing more women uh, uh, characters? Um, I remember um, uh, this is before uh, uh, I really got involved involved in, in culture war stuff, and maybe I just wasn't paying attention, or just wasn't that. Uh, well, this, anyway, this is back. Um, uh, it was a video that uh, uh, leaked online, and it was uh, back when Roger Ebert was alive. And and this so this was probably like 2005, maybe early 2000, something like that. But he was at a film festival, and somebody had recorded this. I think I just like on their phone, so it was like really bad quality. But uh, um, he was at uh, a film festival, and he was in the audience. He wasn't even on the panel. And there was a panel for a film. Uh, uh, you know, after they they showed the film, and they had the filmmakers come out, and the director, I believe, was Asian. And somebody in the audience got up and got really angry and asked the the Asian director, hey, how come the main character of your film wasn't Asian? Like, we need more Asians in films. And Roger Ebert, um, who I'm a big fan of, he stood up and he said, you know, that's actually racist. Like, he's the he's he's the creator. Let him decide who who should be in the film. He's the one who making those those shots. If he wants to, to, to make a movie that that's, uh, a, you know, just a white cast, that's his creative decisions, not yours. If you don't like it, then don't watch it. Um, and so I'm glad that Roger Ebert, you know, stuck up uh, uh, on, on behalf of that. But yeah, it's weird. It's it's this this stupid assumption that um, that you are sort of uh, relegated to a specific creative lane because by dint of your uh, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, whatever. Yeah, like I noticed that in the fiction world, it's called own voices. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, every time I see something labeled that, I'm like, uh, get it away from me. Like, right. because uh, it could actually be good, honestly. It could. Sure. sure. But it's, it's got this ideological lens over it that I'm right. like worried about being preached to, you know? Like, yes. and I don't want to be preached to. Exactly, and I think yeah. that's a big. Like maybe that's why tides are turning is people are like, dude, stop proselytizing and entertain me. And that right. that exists around, I think, every fictive form 
people are like, I'm here to be entertained. Yes. And so this is also, you, you brought up the idea that it's like, it's so focused on the ideology. And uh, so the stories aren't good. And here's the thing where I think about that. Ideology means you think you have all the answers. Yes. Yes. You can't ask interesting questions mm -hmm. that your audience then ponders afterwards. Right. If you then give them these absolute answers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that some of the greatest works of art, including you know, cinema and literature and, 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 and other creative uh, disciplines as well. Um, I think some of the greatest works of art, the ones that we continue to revere and study and appreciate today, um, have some ambiguity to them. And I think that might be at least partly due to, to um, you know, I mean, like, because because of, of that sort of element of, of mystery on, on behalf of the creator's intent, it allows for people to continuously debate and reinterpret it, um, which is great. Um, but when it's like, my film is about blank and it's like, okay, cool. Then I don't need to ponder over this. I don't need to sleep over it. I don't, yeah. It's not going to keep me up at night. It's not, it's not going to make me want to hit up my friends. Like, Hey, I want you to watch this movie. Cause I have, I don't know what it's about. I think it's about this, but it might be about that. What do you think? I want to hear your, like, that's not going to happen when you're lecturing me and telling me that, I'm privileged and biased. Well, yeah, and like here's the thing: like, say that there's a movie about abortion. Now, there used to be a, a poet long time ago, like more than a hundred years, who wrote about abortion, and a lot of people were confused over whether or not she'd had abortions or she was pro-abortion or anti-abortion, which meant every, this was content everyone could read and think about. Yeah, um, because she didn't actually put her her thoughts, her absolute thoughts into mm. this work. It was just about creating questions yes. and making people think about these things right. and having them think about how they thought about these things. And I feel like that's when it comes to more dramatic work, especially even in movies, like a lot of people think movies are just popcorn and let's have fun. But like there are a lot of, I mean, obviously that's why the Oscars exist. Yeah, you know, yeah. to make serious movies or whatever. Right. But like, uh, <laughs> but I, too often though, I'm like, this is Oscar bait. I can see that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the idea is not supposed to, like you can have themes. Like I, you can make a movie about abortion, but if at the end of the movie, you're basically saying that, you know, there's no question about it morally, right. you're not, you're not actually be creating art at that point. You're creating propaganda uh, yes exactly yeah and you're trying to sway minds to your way of thinking and i don't think art should do that <laughs> no I, I i totally agree with you um i think it's a sign of ignorance and arrogance when a work um is that is um you know emphasizes the the the, the lecture over questions because you know the, the the more you you know about a subject the more questions you have about it um so so when i watch a film and there's some ambiguity where it's like oh i could see it in this way but i think it might also be all about that as well whenever i encounter a movie or a show or even you know a novel like that i'm like okay this creator dug really deep they didn't just stick to the surface level and say, okay, this is what I think about this. They dug deep and said, no, this is what confuses me about this because humans can be like this, but they can also be like that. Or this, this, this idea holds true until it encounters this situation. How do we reconcile these things? And so, wow, you actually, you dug deep into these subjects. And so I, I can feel, and so this, that, this story will, will stay with me. Exactly. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that I've seen a movie like that in a while. Maybe mm -hmm. 
three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Sorry, it's such a long title. (laughs) (laughs) But the three billboards movie felt like it actually was not trying to say anything like firm, but really make you think about things. And that, and, and that felt good and it felt refreshing to experience that for the first time in a very long time for me, because I watched like so many Oscar bait movies and that one was Oscar bait clearly, but so many of them just don't really make you think they just give you an answer and and I disengage and I I feel like that's not what I'm looking for when I'm looking at art. And, and I do think that the, the Oscar, the 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 real danger of this Oscar representation like layout is an unstated you need to say the things that this kind of representation is tied to otherwise we're not going to give you an Oscar that's what I hear when I see that right right yeah no and so so you know, getting back to the idea about, about you know the the artist or or the, the the storyteller, you know, taking a firm stance on a on a specific issue, specifically like uh, a a current or a political issue, because it's one thing. I mean, you know, there 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 are universal um, themes that are pretty easy to get most people on the side of, but like when when it's when it's when it's a very topical one, that's when it gets that's when you start to roll your eyes at it. Um, <laughs> but I think you know, I, th- I think in addition to arrogance and, and ignorance, when you watch a film or show and it has a clear political stance, I think it's also cowardice um, on, on the part of the creator because they don't want to ruffle any feathers, and I think it's also cowardice because. Um, they're afraid of ambiguity. They're afraid of people misinterpreting their story. And I think, you know, I, I want to see more, more creators, um, uh, uh, you know, embrace ambiguity and be like, yeah, I, I said what I need to say on this. Now it's up to you to, to, to interpret it. And I don't care if you get way off. I, I said it, I'm done. Yeah. Um, I, but th- that's a difficult thing for a lot of artists to do. But, um, but, you know, of course, it's cowardice when it comes to, uh, well, you know, uh, as much as I want this film to be about this, uh, the studio is putting a lot of money on into it. And uh, Oscar season's coming up. This, the, the film's going to be released uh, on Christmas, you know, right in, during Oscar season. So, yeah, I guess, well, I'll change the gender or the, the sexual yeah. character, blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm it, I'm more looking forward to, like, if we're talking about serious films that would normally be oscar bait what what the indie market is doing because like i like those like something like iris goes west which is older at this point but asks an interesting question about social media and our consumption of it our obsession with it 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 it, and in how it affects mental health and all those things like it really brings up a lot of really serious issues with today and um and and doesn't give me an answer on it really right, right uh and in fact at one point it's like whoa uh because to me i'm sort of like i'm on the stance that techno technology including social media is as good or as bad as the person wielding it yeah. um and if you have uh some mental or emotional failings it will blow them up but that's still on you to control those to my mind. Like, I, like I have anxiety, like being on social media sometimes is painful for me, but it's like, sure, that's, sure. that's not social media. That's me still. So right. to me, I'm sort of, but like that movie really brought to, 
to light a lot of like really serious questions and thoughts about how like in influencers too and the authenticity of people who are who have a lot of followers and stuff it had a lot of really interesting questions and stuff and to me i feel like we're not getting a lot of that kind of content from like warner brothers or you know uh, lucasfilm disney you know these big ones i don't feel like they're doing it anymore but even for their big blockbusters that oh my god those were obvious years ago almost 10 years ago now it was like right. check marks on that marketing list of yeah, yeah. <laughs> hiring certain cast members like rogue one i literally went through it and i was like look at this it's clear the marketing team went through it and said make sure you hire this uh, person this <laughs> you know yeah, race yeah. And this race and make sure you hire this many women like it was it was very obvious to me and, and so I think it hit blockbusters first and then Oscars are like, well, we want you to do it. And because of ideology, like right. from a, some, somewhat from a marketing perspective, I get it because you sure. want to attract those audiences, sure. like if you're, but that's not an ideology thing. That's a, that's a marketing, you know, trying to get your, uh, your, your hit all your sectors. Right. But when it comes to this, you cannot make art that does not include everyone. Oh, that sounds, that's, that's insidious to me. (laughs) Right. And, and my, my big worry is that it'll unintentionally make uh, movies and TV shows less diverse because every single one is equally, that will, will be equally diverse. Mm. And it's just sort of like, well, it's it's like, like the, the cast of every movie will look like, you know, um, a stock photo or like an advertisement for Target where it's like, okay, yeah, we got the black, we got Asian and white and blah, blah, blah. And where it's just like, I don't want to see this. I remember um, there's the, uh, uh, back when Marvel had that partnership with uh, uh, Netflix and they had, you know, Daredevil and and, and, and things mm-hmm. like that, Jessica Jones. Um, I remember when Luke Cage came out, there was, uh, it wasn't a huge controversy, but there, I do remember that there was a minor uh, uh, thing about it where, People were bothered by the lack of diversity in Luke Cage, the show, which is weird. So, so for people who don't remember who are, who are not familiar with it, he's a black character. He's been around since the 70s. And the show was uh, primarily took place and was was set in Harlem in New York City, which is predominantly black. So it makes perfect sense for most of the cast members to be black. But like people were complaining about the lack of diversity. So it's, it just seems like, it's like you would think that that would be seen as a win for for diversity hey look we got a show that that's primarily black focus isn't that great it's like no it's not diverse enough and it's like well what the fuck do you mean by diversity then it's it's (laughs) (laughs) i know i don't think they can actually be satisfied when they're literally talking about that and here's the thing too is that my one of my thoughts is that as a company a big company that produces a lot of different content all the time i don't think everything you produce needs to hit every audience like I think you can say we're mainly trying to attract um, urban African-Americans with Luke Cage. I think that's fine. I think that's like, because honestly, marketing is, is not content creation. It is actually, I, we have content in front of us who, what is the audience that best will enjoy this? Like that is what marketing is. And the content already exists. So to me, Luke Cage already existed and they made Luke Cage and it's going to mostly hit in, you know, black Americans. That's who's going to care about it. And that's not, that's not a bad 
you know, demographic to go after. Right. And you're, and you, but it will also hit just comic book fans yeah. who right. are pretty diverse, honestly, right, um, right. ethnically. Um, but, you know, like this idea that you have to – you each pit, bit of your content has to hit every audience. It's like, no, you can have content aimed at an audience. Like you can market to that audience and then you have something else that is going to market to a different audience. Like you, right. you do not have to hit everything. And it's that whole thing where you can please, uh, you can't please everybody all the time. Like don't, right. don't try to do this. It's crazy. Um, now I do sometimes worry about like, this, the the backswing of this like right. are we gonna go because there's a lot on the on the right about anti-depravity kind of stuff and I yeah. don't want that to disappear from art either right. like right. I think that is that's just as bad to me as going well you know right right we, know, we want everyone to be a different color essentially <laughs> like, yeah exactly they're not yeah. crayons but uh you know <laughs> like I I feel like any kind of limit you put on the, the artist is going to be a problem, essentially. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I haven't seen too many uh, movies uh, made by uh, uh, outwardly uh, conservative Christian types. But, you know, like I'll, I'll watch the trailers on occasion. And it's like, oh, it's just so obvious what the movie's about. It's overly patriotic and it's overly. So it's like it, it's just as bad. Like, um, you know, I, I don't care for that either. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's. It's it's weird because I think that that movies can be such a great source of unity for audiences. You know, when a movie comes out and there's no agenda, but it's it's just fun. It doesn't even have to be intelligent. It just be just be fun. Has some funny quote, quotable lines and some great action scenes, whatever. Um, like that can bring a lot of people together because like nobody's bickering about the skin color or the agenda. It's just that was a fun movie. Mm. Um, it's a great diversion. It's a great diversion from politics. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 so funny. It, um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've seen Team America, World Police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, there's that line where uh, all the celebrities are, are gathered around, and they're like, "Yeah, it's our job to to read the newspapers and then repeat them on TV like it's our own opinions." <laughs> it's it's so it's so strange that um, that 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 so many of these celebrities uh, in Hollywood think that they they have their fingers on the pulse of of society like they know exactly what's what what the average moviegoer what the average audience member wants i think the average audience member just wants to be entertained that yes. is my thought like i yeah, i think yeah. they just want so they want some laughs they want yeah. a a plot that is you know decent right. like i to me i'm sort of like just just reach mediocrity first just yeah, hit yeah. that line please right. and then try to push your script a little further like i felt right. like uh you know the last Jedi, like they literally started filming that after one draft. And I was like, yeah, Oh, the lack of professionalism of that yeah, alone yeah. was that hurt to even hear oh, yeah. it, especially yeah. with the amount of money going behind that movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, and then when, when it was such a failure among star Wars fans, I was sort of like, what did you expect? What did oh, the critics loved it though. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then they use they use the block they they use the shield of you didn't like it because you're a misogynist or whatever they like to use that shield of it's it's racism it's sexism that's why you don't like it it's not because we suck it's because yeah. you do <laughs> yeah i'm so glad that you brought that up 
so so not too many people know this, um, but but you know sort of the the I guess the genesis of the Reckless Muse because before the podcast it was uh, uh, and still is a, a publication on Medium, and so I I, I started that a few years ago. Um, you know, this is when I was unemployed, so I was just writing random medium articles, just just kind of seeing which ones would do well. And the first one that did really well for me um, was criticizing the Charlie's Angels uh, reboot from a few years ago. I think it was Elizabeth Banks. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she, yeah, she directed that. And so that movie flopped. Um, it had it, it had uh, Kristen Stewart and had a few other famous people and Elizabeth Banks, who um, has done more acting, but but she, she's been getting to directing recently. But anyway, the movie came out and it was a flop. And uh, so I did an article just, just criticizing her response because she she, she said that, they, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was, you know, she was blaming the industry for not caring about female-led action movies. And also blaming fans, where it's like, oh, fans just don't want to see action movies uh, with women. It's like, okay, Wonder Woman, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, the audience was mostly men, or at least pretty evenly split. Uh, the Terminator movies, uh, Aliens, uh, you know, there are a lot, most the of the Star Wars movies. Night. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, 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 there's, there are actually, like, sure, yeah, like, action is a genre that's mostly male-dominated, but there have been a lot of hit action movies that had women in meeting roles in it. So, to me, it's just a lack of accountability, like, I would have more respect for if she just said, you know, uh, I, I'm proud of the movie. It didn't resonate with audiences, but I'm happy with it. I was like, okay, you're standing by your work. Cool. But to blame the audience, like that's a that's like a comedian um, yelling at the audience for not getting their jokes. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, it, like it, it, the fault is yours. Yeah. When when I remember when she did that, it's one of the things she said that you that I remember one of the she first of all there were two there was an article that came out before it came out <coughs> that said like men this movie isn't for you yes and yeah. then from the same publication oh <coughs> why aren't men going to see the new Charlie's Angels movie maybe yeah. because you told them it wasn't for them like you literally told <coughs> them before it came out not to go see it like I don't don't know why <laughs> yeah I know it's so it's like, it's wait, it's so weird. Um, <coughs> Feminists really don't understand men, and I say feminists, not women, because you know there are there are there are um, plenty of women who I think have a decent understanding of, of why men would react to certain things and and and, and whatnot. But I remember, I think it was like the second article that I wrote that that eventually led to the Reckless Muse. <clears throat> I was criticizing um, the critical. Res <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> man, that's some good lemonade. Um, um, it was uh, uh, Little Women. Uh, mm. the, that movie had come out, and um, and I remember Which there version? was some yeah, yeah. It, it was it was from like 2018, I think. It was oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, um, that movie had just come out, and there was a uh, film critic for one of the main main legacy publications, but um, she tweeted out um, that that there was like a pandemic of men not who were refusing to watch Little Women. And she goes, you know, I, I, I've you know, I, me uh, several recommendations, and but yet none of the men who I who I know want to see the movie. It's like, first of all, um, it's why are you surprised that men aren't flocking to see a movie called Little Women? Like, I, mean, it's like, yeah, I, wanna, <laughs> I don't um, even want to see it. <laughs> I know. Um, and then and then there were so many so many um, uh, journalists and, and critics who were talking about why men need to see the movie because like it, it would it would make them understand women and the patriarchy and it's like i don't want like men hate being nagged why would i pay money to see a movie to get nagged <laughs> it's just like there are so many layers there's so many reasons for men not to watch the movie um 
And yet, like, they were just absolutely flabbergasted that men were not flocking to see this movie. And it's like, it's a, it's not even about gr- adult women. It's about young, like, little little women. Like, what is your problem? It's It was so weird. Well, and God, that kind of reminds me, and I've mentioned this before, but there was a there was a book club I was in where the guy, a guy ran it, and he mm. constantly made us read coming-of-age stories for women, like little <laughs> women, like modern-day little women right. kind of stories, and I got tired of them. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he's one of his justifications for when he chose one was that um, I was never a little girl. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to read this, okay? Right, right. Um, and like to me, I'm like, I don't have to. I don't want someone to tell me the same story ten thousand times. Right. You know, right. like, and there uh, there <laughs> is a lot of repetition right now in yeah. stories. I would say, like, you, it's like, oh, this movie is almost exactly the same as this other movie. It covers the yeah. exact same themes, yeah. has yeah. almost exactly the same kind of cast layout and comes to the same conclusions and this yeah, is really yeah. annoying like no one wants to like i i don't want to watch the same movie more than like i will watch the same movie more than once i would i don't want to say that i'm not i don't repeat because i definitely do right uh, but i don't want to be sold a new movie that is actually not a new movie uh, same thing with novels i don't i don't want to read again what i've <laughs> essentially already read yeah, um, yeah. And with these rep- representation rules and the, the ideology thing, I think we're going to keep seeing that until they until there's more pushback <laughs> on it. Right. Um, and it, it was kind of funny with the Elizabeth Banks thing. She had said something about people don't want to see this, but they want to see like 27 different Spider-Man movies. Right. And, <laughs> and it's like sequels, I think she said specifically. And yeah, it's like, yeah. well, they're not actually sequels, all of them. Um, and this is more about Sony keeping the, the rights to <laughs> Spider-Man than it is anything else. Also, Spider-Man right. is a huge title, but it's, yeah. it's much bigger than Charlie's Angels. Right, exactly. Much bigger. <laughs> yeah, um, and and it always cracks me up that um, the more feminist, activist-oriented um, you know, creators and, and filmmakers in Hollywood, um, Whenever they they try to promote something that is female oriented to the general audience, um, so often it's like a rehab. It's like it's leftovers from other existing properties. So it's like let's take a male character that that exists, you know, in the novel, but let's make them female, or let's or let's take Charlie's Angels because we don't have any other stories to come up with about female spies. So let's just take an existing. And it's like I don't think you realize that what you're basically doing here, what you're implying here, is that. Uh, women are don't make good female good are, aren't good enough for original stories, and I don't believe that. But it, but it's, it's it's demonstrative of like the laziness of like how about instead of just rehashing the same story over again, how about we come up with a different approach to making uh, a, a, a secret agent movie where the lead is a female or or, or, well, or the team is a female? That makes me think <laughs> again of the Long Kiss Good Night, which is one of my favorite action movies. Like, yeah, that's a good was, one. Yeah, Gina Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when when it would if I, back when I had cable or satellite if it was yeah. on it was what I was watching like <laughs> because that's how much I enjoyed it um, right. and uh, and it's kind of a, a a weird take on kind of the Jason Bourne idea I would yeah. say because yeah. the books came out but it's not exactly the same as the books either it's like very different like yeah. the yeah. fact that she's a woman actually matters in that story yeah yeah um so like to me <clears throat> I feel like it is its own thing. Like, sure, I mean, spies losing their memory. That's as close as similar as it gets, I guess. Right. Yeah. But, like, beyond that, it's much, it, it's, it's, 
and it's also cool and interesting and i love gina davis throughout it i think yeah. it's a really fun movie yeah and and i think a big part of the problem here with ideology in movies is that they're <laughs> trying to rewrite history to say that movies like the von kiskin night never existed right right or that tv shows like xena never existed like yeah. we yeah. never had strong female characters before Right. And we need them now and we need them by recreating Spider-Man as a woman or whatever. Right. And my problem with that is that it's like, I don't need to see Spider-Man as a woman. Like, right. cause I, I could go watch like some of the old stuff, but yeah. they don't want you to watch the old stuff because yeah. not just because they're not going to be making money on it, but <laughs> also this is important. It doesn't follow the ideology. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, it's that sort of myopic view of history that that's so prevalent with the with the sort of modern uh, woke mindset of like, let's ignore all of the pro the decades of progress that we've had in in our society and in culture, and pretend that you know. Uh, it was only a couple of years ago that we started talking about equality for uh, for the races and for the sexes, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, and look, let's let's try to be fair you know uh, because historically women and minorities and lgbtq folks have been largely left out of pop culture but i mean that's that's we've had decades of progress like instead of looking back and and and, and feeling cynical like let's get excited but hey like that's cool like eddie murphy was one of the highest paid actors of the 80s like that was before i before we were even born he was one of the big one of the biggest stars of all time um so like let's not pretend that you know you know uh, diverse groups and and, uh, and and diverse talent didn't get the limelight like that's, that's I mean, it's been lucille ball was one of the most successful people in hollywood yes yeah i mean come on like this right. is it's crazy she right. owned her own production company yeah she yeah. greenlit some movies that were just amazing so yeah. to me i'm sort of yeah. like what are you talking about that right, oh right. we haven't made like about time that's the yeah. phrase i keep hearing about time it's right. about time that we stand up for women and minorities and lbgt and Hollywood. And I'm like, what do you mean about time? Yeah, did, yeah. When did, what was that movie uh, that starred Tom Haynes that it's about the guy who got fired for having AIDS? So, like, oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's old. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, I'm sort of like, what are you talking about about time? And they keep doing this with Disney. Disney yeah, has yeah. their first gay character in a movie. Disney uh, has their first every year. <laughs> Their first gay character. Yeah, it's so. So here's the thing: like, like the idea of of having more diverse characters in, in movies, um, like that alone does not bother me. It, it's um, if 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 studios focus more on the quality of the story, then the cast can be as diverse as 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 they want because audiences won't care. It's like like you would have to be a bigot to be like, yeah, that was a good movie, but the main character was black, therefore I don't like it. It's like, no, you'd have to be a bigot to, to do that. You, you're just as much of a bigot if you say, that was a good movie, but why did they cast a white man in the lead? It's like, yeah, like only a bigot would focus on the surface characteristics of, 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 a, uh, 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 of, of, a cast, of a cast member. Um, so, um, but it, it, it seems like, you know, it, it's not enough simply to like, Hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, um, the, 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 there'll be a gay couple, uh, in the movies. Okay, sure. <laughs> fine. I'll, I'll do that. But it's like, there always has to be an announcement like, Oh, like this series has its first gay character. It's like, if you just did it and, and you just made it part of the story, nobody would notice, nobody would care. And like, if anything, that would probably be more genuinely progressive. Like that would be like, that would encourage more people to be like, Oh yeah, that's normal. No big deal. Whatever. 
Um, but you no, can read articles to... about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like the, you know, studios have an opportunity to have their cake and eat it too. They can be diverse without alienating um, uh, audiences. Uh, without without you know doing the whole pandering thing and condescending and lecturing and everything, it, but uh, no, it, it's they're doing everything wrong possible. <laughs> well, yeah, and I I say this like uh, Precious. That movie came out before a lot of the ideological changes in Hollywood yeah, like really ramped up, yeah. and it's oh, it's like a completely black cast, and yeah. um, it is just amazing. That movie is so damn good, and it has. But I don't think it would be greenlit now because of the fact that it doesn't actually like I think like they want they want black stories, but they want black stories of excellence or they want black story stories about black versus white people. Like they want they want the adversarial nature and there's none of that. And they said the same thing about Zora Neale Hurston's books when she was writing during the original Harlem Renaissance period. Mm. Yeah. Uh, she she did not write about white people like at all, yeah. and like you know like Langston Hughes and W. D. Boy uh, were like, oh, she's not really part of the Renaissance because yeah. she's just writing about black people interacting with black people. They had a problem with her just writing about the black experience isolated, and right. it's yeah. and, and to me that feels like really cruel. Like, why, like, and and I feel like that is what they would say about Precious now. That it's like, you know, or or they'll have to put some weird thing on it. Like, it's all because of redlining or whatever, you know? (laughs) Right. You know? (laughs) And and here's the thing, you know, it's actually, there are ways to creatively justify diversity in a film. Um, So so, so to to give a personal example... Um, so I have a degree in music, um, and I've always loved classical music. And and when I first started getting into screenwriting, I wrote a short script, not really intending to do anything with it, just a fun little idea I had. I had this idea of a classical pianist, a, a, an acclaimed classical pianist who was also a serial killer, kind of a Hannibal Lecter type who was very charming and intelligent, but also, you know, kind of maniacal. Um, and so it was, it was, the script was just one scene and he, he had like this weird, crazy, like obsession with, with uh, eliminating medi- mediocrity. So if he had students that he thought weren't practicing, he would kill them. Um, I know it's, it's a silly premise, but you know, I was, again, just me having fun. Um, and so the scene was him and, uh, and he's talking to a student who's female. But then like, for me, I was like, ah, I don't know. Like I've seen this scene so many times of like a male serial killer and then like the helpless female tied to a chair. So I switched the genders, not for feminist reasons, but simply because I thought it would be interesting. And because, you know, I know this is controversial to say because men and women uh, are different. I changed the character. I didn't just like swap genders and that was it. Like I, I rewrote her dialogue. And so it would, it would be more believable as a female. And it, and it, it ended up being better. Like I like the idea of because there are so few um, characters uh, uh, where it's like she's a female and she's also got like this obsessive a- aspect to her, and she's a serial killer. It's like oh, I haven't seen that you know, that combination in too many characters. It's usually men who are obsessive and, and blah blah blah. And so th- to me, like the script ended up being better. Um, again, and, and there was nothing about gender involved. It just it, it simply changing um, uh, the gender also forced me to change the, you know, the, her, her motivations and, and her character. Um, so there are ways to justify, I think, um, you know, uh, 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 not defaulting to a white male for, for, for as the lead in a story, but that requires work. Um, 
and you know that's uh, it's much easier to simply say, well, let's just swap the races, let's just swap the genders, and that's it, and call it a day. And it's like, okay, but this feels so tacked on. Like if yeah. you're gonna have a story, if you're gonna have a story that involves um, you know a gay character or a trans character or a disabled character, or can be like, okay, like I'm, I'm gonna understand what it's like for this character for, for for a person in this situation, and I'm gonna integrate that into the story so so it feels authentic. But it, it's it's just sort of the sort of band-aid approach. Like let's just tack it on, and there we're diverse. Yeah. Well, I know like um, something like Salt. Salt was originally wrote written for a male lead, and then mm. they gave it to Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And I I would think in the movie making process that she would mm -hmm. she would take part in making the character more authentic. I mean, I think that's what actors are supposed to be doing, right, um, yeah. which is why they question scripts. And I, I'm totally cool with that. I think that's actually a, a good aspect of film is that mm -hmm. it's like, it's more, and I used to playwright like a lot. I and mean, like, mm -hmm. if I was involved in a production, if someone had feedback or something like as an actor, like, this feels more natural. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, and I think about it and I'm like, and I usually ended up agreeing with them. And that's not to say that I'm a pushover too, because I have disagreed with directors instead for sure, <laughs> which sure. to me was a little different. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like I feel like there are instances where you where there's swapping going on that are not necessarily bad. Like yeah. Lethal Weapon, mm -hmm. they did not write Murtaugh as a black guy in the mm -hmm. original script. Oh, really? That was not the plan. Yeah. But then they but then they hired Danny Glover and it's like awesome. It's so awesome. It's it created the trope of the the white and guy and black guy best friend buddies. Right. You know? Right, the buddy cop thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um and they're in it created some really great opportunities from a writing perspective because then they did the second movie and it and it really delved into the some of the ideas that they had to deal with as him being African American. And so to me, I feel like there, it, like sometimes changing things up can be beneficial to you. Like, yes. you know, because that's why sometimes I write from a male perspective. Right. It's not my perspective. Right, right. And so I have to really think about it and do something different. And it makes me write differently. And I think yeah. that's good. I, I, I want to be stretched as a writer. I want my skills to be stretched. And I don't think I get that by writing as myself. Like, you know, um, like, uh, what's his name? Jeff Vandermeer almost always writes from a female perspective. Like he mm. often does like the movie, yeah. the, they made the movie Annihilation based on his book by the same right, right. Yeah. And he, he wrote from a female perspective and a lot of people, when they read it, sometimes they say she doesn't actually feel like a woman. And I was like, she does feel like a woman, mm. just a very different one. Right. Very much more similar to me than mm. the average woman. <laughs> right, right. And there's that there's that um, that subreddit that is about men writing about women. I oh, really? It. Yeah, and they're always making fun of men for how they write about women. Yeah, always. <laughs> That's the point. And yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm like, God, shut up. Like yeah. there was, I think it was one of the moments that led to me getting off Reddit entirely was there was this point where they brought up Gabriel Garcia Marquez, where there's a scene where two Colombian women in the backwoods of Colombia who are cousins. Yeah. Um, and it's like 50 years ago. Um, they are bathing each other naked. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, no woman would do this. And I was like, 
I think a Colombian man that was alive then knows more what Colombian women did then than right. you as an American woman today knows <laughs> what, right. those, what those women did. And right. I was like, that's just like ethnocentric and like this idea that culture wouldn't come into it. Come on. That's just silly. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, it, it's um, it's 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 terrible, too, um, that because of the ideology, it's forcing it, it, uh, a lot of people are, are judging stories with in the most superficial ways. It's not about the story. It's about, you know, it's about superficial reasons like that. So so, so th this is kind of related to that. Um, so I, I'm sure you heard about Laura Dern and Sam Neill talking about the age difference in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I've said this before, but I was yeah. honestly shocked that she was as young as she was in Jurassic yeah. Park. Even still looking back at it, I'm sort of right. like, she was in her early 20s. I seriously yeah. thought she was in her 30s. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And, and if anything, I, I think that's just a testament of how good of an actress she is. Like she came off as much more like a veteran, you know, paleontologist or ethnobotanist or whatever she was. Yeah. But it's like, um, <laughs> she did not come off. As, yeah, yeah, paleobotanist. Um, she did not come off as like a 23-year-old girl, like right out of college. Uh, like she, she came off as a, as a seasoned professional. So, and, and, and also in that interview, she was talking about patriarchy. Oh, like, you know, like that wouldn't fly today because of our understanding of patriarchy. It's like, why is this, why is this being brought up in a conversation about a movie with about dinosaurs? Like why these things, like the movie. Yeah. It, it, it's just so strange. Like that we're letting ideology get in the way of us simply enjoying a movie. Um, because, you know, there are going to be a lot of Gen Xers who read that and go, yeah, you know, Jurassic Park is a problematic movie these days. It's like, oh, what do you mean? Do you mean? Or, no, I'm sorry, Gen, Gen Z. Sorry. These? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Gen X is different. Yeah, no, Gen Yeah, no, no. I, 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 it, it, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, Gen Z comes along and is like, oh, yeah, Jurassic Park is a problematic movie these days because of the, the, the power differential between Sam Neill and Laura Dern. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's a movie yeah, about dinosaurs. Really. I know. Well, then this is this is a comment someone made about when we were talking about gender switching characters. Female Starbuck uh, by JB. Female Starbuck in the new Battlestar Galactica improved the story. So say we all. I absolutely agree with that. One hundred percent. That they added. There was a lot of drama and tension and storyline added by the fact that she was a woman. Like mm. and it, versus like you know diametrically to Apollo like it actually added a lot hmm. um and and it was it it made me really interested also it was played by Katie Sackhoff who's hmm. pretty good hmm. so I was like this is this is a, a good change and right. you can reach changes like that and then I think Beverly mentioned yeah great Beverly Mary Tyler Moore was only like 25 compared to Dick Van Dyke's 37 yeah. which is only a 12 year difference right right which I do not consider to be too large for people who are in a romantic relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I've noticed feminists complain about that before the age difference. Like if a man is with a woman who is a lot younger, that is a, sometimes they even like refer to it as like pedophilia or whatever. Uh, and like, even if she's 18, they, right. they like put it on that same level. And I'm right. like, it's not like in, this is the thing that's really insidious about that all is that they keep taking away the agency of the woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about me getting back to the Jurassic park thing. Like that didn't play into the plot at all. It, it's not like, 
it, it didn't seem like it was it was mentioned that she that you know Samuel's character was much older and more powerful than her and that he was dating a student or something like that. Like there it was there was nothing about it at all. It just seemed like they were colleagues. Um, yeah. I didn't <laughs> honestly their romantic entanglement isn't even all that obvious yeah, yeah. in the movie. Right. Like it's more obvious later on when it's like, oh, she's married to someone else and she right, wasn't right. With, still with him and that yeah. was a thing. And I was like, really? They were like together in the first movie like that wasn't like really in your face that they had even a romantic relationship they were at a dig together because they were both you know in in paleontology like so they were colleagues and there there was nothing where they said she was a student like none of that they i assume she had a phd like that's where I was when I watched that movie. And I it's still yeah. there. I don't know why anyone would think just because the actress was 23 years old that right. that meant she was a student or young. Like, people play different ages all the time in right. movies. And like, it's about the ages. They're making a big deal about the ages of the actors. And again, they were adults. Like, it's... I, I don't know what else... Like, why is this a problem at all? Like, why why are we focusing on this rather than... The legacy of the movie <laughs> yeah like um, it dramatically advanced advanced cgi at the yeah, time sure, like it was yeah. pretty big yeah in yeah. that regard yeah. and actually i think it made improvements on the book <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. it lambasted by michael Crichton fans for that but i he's he's not perfect <laughs> it did cut out it did cut out a lot of uh intestines uh being ripped out of people though so mm. <laughs> <laughs> well they were trying to make what a pg-13 movie or yeah, whatever yeah, so yeah. I, I'm um, not a huge fan of PG-13, but um, I know it's, it's studios love it. And I find that to be a limit artistically as well that has been around for a very long time now. That it, goes yeah. beyond ideology. <laughs> you know, you know, being being a fan of, of horror, it's there are very few PG-13 horror films that I like. It, um, like it, it's weird. It's so obvious that certain things needed to be truncated or, or cut out. Um, and, and it feels so forced, where it's like, oh, like we can't show much nudity, but we can show a, 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 a naked woman from behind. <laughs> uh, and we're we're going to make sure that the camera is strategically placed, or you know, somebody's going to get decapitated, but we're only going to show the knife coming down and then cut away. And it's like it just feels so forced. It's like show me all of it or show me none of it. Um, but PG there's like, oh, we're gonna walk right up to the line, but then cut back. I don't know. It just it, it just feels so neutered. I bring it up all the time because it still is in my brain. Is in Disney's Black Panther when uh, Killmonger slices the throat of yeah. one of the female guards, and yeah. to me, I was like, they didn't cut away, right? Which I would have probably been okay with, sure. But so they didn't cut away, and then it's absolutely bloodless. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that just really took me out of the movie. Like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot wrong with that movie, though. I have like a 12-minute what's wrong with that movie video on my channel. Oh, really? Was, yeah, I do. Like, and how I would have rewritten it because I yeah. felt like it was so poorly written. Yeah. Like, I think that movie, like, I know a lot of people really loved it and everything, uh-huh. but... There's just, I feel like Black Panther, literally the character in that movie, has mm-hmm. no agency. Like, right, right. Throughout the, which to me is like a huge writing problem if your protagonist is not really a major agent of his movie. Like, come right. on. Uh, but like there were points where people got mad at him where he could have said something and he didn't. Yeah. And I'm like, 
why is he silent right now? Like, I don't like, <laughs> and I don't get his motivation for being quiet at this moment. Like he could just literally open his mouth and defend himself reasonably. Right. And it would probably work. Like, I don't get it. And right. <laughs> so like, there were so many points like that. And then I was like, there are too many people in this goddamn movie. <laughs> That's my <laughs> other problem with it. <laughs> I was like, I don't care about most of them. Like, okay. So here's something they added, um, that, character um played by the billboard baggins guy more uh Martin oh yeah Freeman. yeah and i was like cut him cut him from the movie and right, there, and right. i'm like i know he's just there because you want a white guy in the movie i don't need him everything he does could be done by someone else right and, right. She, and they don't even need to be that faction doesn't even need to be represented in this movie and it's right. like do you know that would literally be an improvement story-wise and make it less diverse Right, right. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that movie until my friend pointed out that it was basically just The Lion King. Yep, it is. Like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sucks. Which they still remade. <laughs> yeah, they did. Then they remade it. Yeah. Oh but, man. But uh, yeah, I I I have a serious problem with a lot of the the like. Not only are they like doing the marketing thing where they're like, we want to like. Honestly, that character in Black Panther, he's there for a marketing reason. Not yeah. really an ideological one, but a marketing one. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, so there's all the marketing that goes into like a lot of the big scripts beforehand. Like yeah. they're like, no, 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 we got to make sure. Like, even though the story might not work mm -hmm. that way as right. well. And then there's the ideology now that they're pushing in all these movies. Like girl power is a huge one. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. God, stop it. I think I said in something I wrote once, stop pandering to my genitals. They can't enjoy a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, man. I know that's not kind, but <laughs> it's kind of well, true. I mean, and, and here's the thing. Like, these initiatives are expensive. Like, they're millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. Um, like, they have whole departments dedicated to diversity and inclusion. And it's like for what? And 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 like I'm practically begging the studios to have me consult for them for their diversity and inclusion. And I give her the whole department. Just have just give me fifty k a year. I don't care. That's good enough. Um, like I will fix your diversity and inclusion problem. And I I, I use the term problem lightly <laughs> because I mean like <laughs> because whenever I hear the, the term problem within these woke contexts, it's like, yeah, is that really a problem? Like you know, like to, to get away from Hollywood for a second. Um, I think I mentioned before. Um, that uh, uh, I used to work for uh, a startup in Silicon Valley, and so there was always they, there was a lot of talk about the 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 the, uh, the pipeline problem, right? Why there was there were so few female engineers? So, yeah, is that a problem though? Like there are very few women graduating with degrees in engineering. Is that a problem? Like there are very few men in early education. There are very few men in the fashion industry. Why is that not seen as a problem? Um, <laughs> but, uh, we're all um, the street men in fashion. Design. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but you know it's it's you know there 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 are other ways i think uh, they're they're more effective um but and and also cheaper ways of increasing of of bringing in wider um uh a, a wider birth of, of talents into the industry it's like why isn't this money uh that you're, that you're spending on diversity and inclusion programs and initiatives why aren't you putting that towards scholarships or towards arts programs or you know like underfunded schools um, you know, that's a long-term thing, but like, you know, like that could probably go a long way towards helping, 
um, people from poorer areas, uh, many of whom are minorities, um, you know, get into the industry, get inspired to go out and create something. But no, it's just let's. Uh, so, so um, a few months ago, uh, uh, Ben and I we 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 did a, an episode on this. The Hollywood Reporter hosted a big luncheon with with uh, Gina Davis, and it was about the diversity and inclusion initiatives in Hollywood. And they're talking about like all the progress we've made, but how all, all the work that needs to go into the, uh, the all the work that still needs to get done. And it's like th- that that luncheon was so fucking expensive. Why didn't you go out and like you know volunteer at a school for a day? Like, <laughs> go well, out and, and, and inspire the, young people to create. It was insane. Honestly, because it's virtue signaling. Yeah. That that they're say, they're trying to say we need to do something about this while they eat their you know two hundred dollar plate lunch in Beverly uh, Hills. Yeah. And, yeah, and so while they get photographed. So that they can say that they they're they're trying to do something, and then they're like, we put all this money to our you know our diversity and inclusion department to show that we actually care about this, and it's like, yeah. no, you don't, like you yeah. literally don't. This is essentially like an ESG tax dodge shit going on, right. Right. and like I don't believe you. Right. Um, which is why, like a lot of uh, some progressives, actually see through it and actually do are, are like, I don't buy your bullshit. Like I have seen progressives say that that they're like, I you know, I don't want your token bullshit on your your shitty movies. Okay, right, like right. either make a real story about people who I care about, or you know, screw off. I don't care. And I I mean that that's fair because it's inauthentic. It is completely inauthentic. Um, it is. And and uh, just because I have the article open here about that luncheon, um, they uh, they opened the uh, the event with uh, what do you call it? Um, like 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 an air of uh, acknowledgement, oh. land acknowledgement, oh, the, the land acknowledgement bullshit at the beginning. <laughs> I, I will say though that that the person who, who did it, they have a cool name, Crystal Echo Hawk. That's a pretty cool name. <laughs> Um, and then the other person is Bird Running Water. So, um, but uh, 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 they 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 open the event by paying respects to the Tongva people, who are the ancestral custodians of the land that we are gathered on today, and acknowledge that the Chamash and Tataviam tribes, who are also traditional keepers of the land out on the coast and in the valley, respectively, lands where many of our entertainment community live and work. It's like, yeah, but you're hosting this event at the Mayborn Beverly Hills Hotel, so like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's totally they don't even see how much of a joke they are half the right, time right. like i think most of us are who are like into this stuff are like I, like you're you're either supposed you either get mad or you laugh about it like i want to laugh about it because i'm yeah. like i feel like that's more painful to them than me getting angry honestly right <laughs> right because uh, then I'm, I'm not taking them seriously because yeah, there's no. no reason to take these idiots seriously they are they are grifters they are dumb and they're just pushing their ideology onto you know uh but the onto their audiences but the problem is is that the audiences have more options now yes. like they have with streaming like and with indie markets being bigger since streaming started yeah. it's a lot harder for them like and then <laughs> a lot of people stopped going to the movie theater like for yeah. years and years ago and then literally stopped going to the movie theater when they closed the theaters yeah. and some of them did not go back like right. just right. didn't and it's like this, you, you're losing your audiences like over time and 
I keep saying it. I don't get it why you want to buy an IP and then change everything about it that yeah. people who you bought the IP because it has an established audience. Right. And then you told the established audience that you're going to change everything and that their opinions no longer mattered. Why are you then surprised that the established audience that you bought the IP for decides not to watch your content? Right, exactly. Well, it's toxic <laughs> fandom. Yeah, and then when, when yeah. it doesn't do well, or, or it's toxic fandom, that, that, that's the problem. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, that's such a fuck you to all the fans out there who like, yeah, I've been reading this comic book series or this novel uh, series uh, ever since I was a kid. And I was so thrilled when it got uh, uh, you know the big budget treatment, and then you change the the, the gender and the sexuality and the, the the ethnicity of the character, and, and it's like yeah, like this has been this property's been around for years, maybe decades, and you're surprised that audiences are pissed off um, about these about these and also very superficial and needless changes. It's obvious it's for it's to check off boxes. It's not like well, we thought we would change this character, and then um, you know for narrative reasons or for thematic reasons, which. I mean, I, I think it's still kind of silly, but I can at least understand that thinking. But it's like, no, it's it's just for it's just for, to check off the boxes. It's for no other reason, really. Well, I know they made uh, in Dune the Dune movie that came yeah. out, um, yeah. and I'm saying D U N E right because yeah. it's very similar to saying Doom. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dune, the new Dune movie, yeah. uh, they changed the race of kinds uh, so that they could hire uh, Zendaya to play uh, Chiani. Uh, right. And I'm like, my problem with Kynes in that movie is that they took away all of the badassery of that character right. and all the things that made Kynes interesting. And I was like, you could have kept all of that yeah, if she yeah. was a black woman. Like you didn't have, but I don't know why you just nerfed her so mm. hardcore Right. Uh, and then they also, like, I saw an article about the movie that they're like, Gianni, uh, Zendaya is only in four and a half minutes of Dune. And I'm like, that's not the complaint you should be making. The complaint you should be making is that Jessica is a weakling in the movie compared to how she is in the book. That right. If you want to make a feminist claim, mm. which actually has a backup, you know, of, of something of interest, Right. That is more, uh, you know, important. The fact that Jessica is way less interesting in that movie than she ever was in the book. And right. so often they just miss things yeah. like that. <laughs> um, I remember an article came out um, talking about how how little uh, Zendaya was paid. but like Because I think she only filmed for like 10 days or something like that. But when you look at the amount she was making per day, I mean, it's like you can buy a house for each day of filming. Like a day's salary could buy a house. I mean, like, yeah. it, was really, it, it was, it was like, it, she I, was, I think it was like underpaid. I was like, yeah, well, she was barely in the movie and she still got paid like half a million for the, for the role. I don't, what, for, for, you know, a couple of weeks worth of work. Yeah, that is insane to me. Maybe, like, maybe I, I would not love to us. fail that hard. Yeah, like, let them let them abuse me like that. I'll I'll right. I'll take it. Let, I'll take one for the team of half a million dollars for ten days of work. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the, the the lack of self awareness uh, in Hollywood is insane. I remember when uh, uh, during the early stages of the pandemic, when when lockdowns were first going into effect. Uh, uh, particularly here in the U.S., um, Brie Larson, I think, uh, she started a YouTube channel, and uh, I remember I, I watched the first couple of minutes of her um, 
for intro video and they're super cringy it was just like hey everyone i'm, I'm brie larson and and uh you know for my channel i'm gonna be having inclusive content and anti-racist rhetoric and it's like yeah we're in the middle of a pandemic that's what i want to, and i'm not i can't leave my house that's what i want to go that's what's going to take up my time like that's the thing that's going to keep me sane during the pandemic no, a millionaire oh talking a millionaire tweeting and, and making videos from her her mansion uh, about anti about how I someone who can't leave my house need to be less racist. Like, yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm worried about right now. Yeah, it's kind of like there's a lot of people who uh, in Hollywood who make a lot of money who are very very disconnected to how the rest of us experience our lives yeah. and say really dumb shit. Most of it very preachy, like. Yeah. Uh, to me, like earlier, it was about go vegan, go vegan. And I was like, shut up, just shut up, shut yeah. up. And I'm like, Gwyneth Paltrow, if you are ever feeling upset or, or, or anxious or sad, go stand on a beach like I do. And I'm like, your private beach? Can I yeah. come to your private beach? I'll come there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they all act like that. So, we, I yeah. mean, that's why a lot of people are like, that Imagine video was really annoying. Yeah. Like, there was so much of that kind of content, like Nancy Pelosi talking about how she needed her ice cream. Like, we don't give a shit, honey. Like, we no. want to know what's going on. Like, can we go back to work now? Can right. we be able to pay our rent and our mortgages? Like, can you focus on that. I don't give a shit if you have ice cream or not. <laughs> like, right, right. And they do that a lot. And I, Hollywood is really bad about it because then they, they, they think they're so freaking worldly and it drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, yeah. okay, when was the last time you took out your own trash? Just right. tell me that. <laughs> right. I remember a few years ago, Anne Hathaway, she won some award. It was, it, it wasn't like an Oscar or, or Golden Globe, I don't think, but it was, um, she, she won some award and, and during her acceptance speech, she was talking about how she was going to use her position in Hollywood to fight white privilege, male privilege and straight privilege. Um, and it's just like, excuse me, like you're, you're wearing like, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollar dress, maybe more. And you're at a fancy event somewhere in Beverly Hills and surrounded by other millionaires. And you're talking about how you're going to fight privilege. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I would believe them if they said, I'm going to fight privilege. And then when Disney literally is stealing, uh, like, the dress designs from the designers from Cruella to yeah. make toys and stuff and not giving them a cut of that money, if right. they actually said, Disney, I'm not going to do any of your projects until you make this right. Like, right. Yeah. I would believe them then. But they yeah. are not doing that. They right. will right. still take a Disney project. <laughs> and it's like, even though Disney does that, it's like, it, or like, oh, I won't take another Disney project until they stop being okay with, you know, Chinese slavery. Like, no, right. they're not. like, that's why Ricky Gervais made the joke. If ISIS had a streaming uh, service, you'd all call your agents because they don't <laughs> <Yeah>. care. <laughs> they preach because they're virtue signaling. And right, then, right. and but they don't actually give a shit. That it makes them sleep better at night to preach. Right. But yep. they can't. Talk, they can't walk the walk, though. They absolutely like very few of them even bother. Like I have seen a couple of them. They're like, yeah, I'm not doing it anymore because of you guys are jerks. Like no. uh, I think Anthony Hopkins basically said that Hollywood was toxic and yeeted yeah. out. <laughs> and uh, but very few of them are willing to do that. Right, and and then you never hear about it again, obviously, because Hollywood won't change, right? Unfortunately, and 
I see this Oscar thing as them getting worse. Honestly, I do. Uh, Which and and um, the ratings for the show for, for the for the ceremony every year having having going down a lot. I mean, it was pretty big um, in the '90s. I remember being being young, uh, being a kid, and, and even a teenager, and and loving the Oscars and looking forward to it. Um, but as but over the last few years. Um, even before it got overtly political, or at least before I started to notice how political it got, I, I started tuning out. It was just sort of like, yeah, all right, this is this is getting lame and, and dumb. Um, and so now there's even less of a reason to watch the Oscars. Um, and, and 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 you're right about how, you know, uh, a lot of progressives are starting to see through this bullshit as well. So it's it's like not only has um, has the Oscars like alienated, you know, uh, conservatives and middle America. Um, you know, it's like it's it's getting to the point now where where even you know somebody from Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York is gonna be like, yeah, the the Oscars are they're they're, they're too they're too political now. I, I just I wanted to see my movie get celebrated, but there's too much there's too many lectures. So so yeah, it's, at some point they're gonna be alienating even their 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 core base. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's kind of uh, unless they completely. Uh, get a, like they have to do away with this stuff. It, 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 it's not just like oh we're we're gonna you know push the the brakes a little bit. So, no, you have to get rid of Aperture Twenty Five. Yes, um, definitely. <laughs> well, I I, I, I I was never into the Oscars. I went to I saw the Oscars once. Hmm. What happened was a professor in grad school had an Oscars party because he hmm. loved the Oscars, yeah, and yeah. I was like, sure, I'll come. Yeah. And um, he even had us like make like he had pronounced for us to pick like who we thought was going to win and everything. Yeah. And I picked, I can't remember everything I picked, but I wanted silver, silver linings playbook to win. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was um, the year that came out. But I think, yeah, yeah. I don't think it did win, but Jennifer Lawrence, that's the year she won the Oscar yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember uh, that was also the year of beasts of the Southern wild. Mm. Now remember, these are all professors and grad school students in the arts at this party and this one woman was pissed that jennifer lawrence won over Mm. the little girl from beasts of the southern one absolutely fucking angry and she said what did she say uh of course little miss hunger games wins and i was like (laughs) you mean the child star of winter's bone who <laughs> was up for an Oscar a few years ago yeah, when yeah. she was a child? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Do you guys yeah. know? Like, I know movies better than you, apparently. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, know. I was, uh, and like, she's like, it's just a rom a rom com, and I'm like, you uh, mean this movie about mental illness, right, right. and finding love through mental illness uh, is about is a is just a rom com. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> like, Jennifer Lawrence's character is extremely depressed and self-destructive, and yeah. and uh, Bradley Cooper's character has bipolar disorder. Like it's he just got out of an asylum for help for fuck's sake. So, so to me, I'm sort of like, no, this is not a rom com. This is not right. what I expect when yeah. I sit down to watch a rom com. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> not like rom coms. Yeah. That wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, a lot of people want to at that party want a beast of the southern wild to win everything, and I was right. like, I don't, because that's who that crowd was. And this was in Kansas, by the way. This was in oh, really? like California. This oh. was Kansas, oh. so 
I mean, I know my I I had a date there, and he was he was rolling his eyes because he was not like like that. Yeah, and yeah. And, and I'm like, nah, I'm I'm with you, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like these people, <laughs> but they have some silly ideas. Yeah. But like, there's I I feel like a lot of uh, some of this like okay, so it's trickling down from the Oscars, but it's yeah. also bubbling up from people coming out of the universities, you know, to tie it in there. Yeah. Because yeah. um, there are screenwriting schools now. And right. and a lot of these people, they go to these schools and they, they're, they're, they're trained in these kind of intersectionality and yes. critical race theory and all this stuff. Even back then, there was some of it going on in my Kansas college. So, like, and I know it's only gotten worse. So it's like, it's also, it's like coming from the top and it's also coming from the bottom. And I think the problem is, is that we're losing some writers who maybe didn't go to college necessarily, or didn't go to college for this necessarily, who are really good and have really good ideas that are just not needing the bullshit. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, there, uh, there's a Twitter acquaintance of mine who is a college professor who, who um, I, I believe he teaches creative writing. And he, he, we, we had a conversation offline a while back. Um, and, and he's saying that, that he's worried that um, he, he, he's seeing his students taking fewer and fewer risks. Um, and, and then, yeah, sure, this is creative writing, but I, I'm, I would not be surprised if this was leaking into screenwriting courses and filmmaking classes as well um you know the, the, there's there's such an activist bent in academia right now that it's that's you know even the hard sciences can can't get away from it um so yeah i and 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 what's sad is that it's still ultimately i think a minority of people who are pushing for this but they, they're they're the ones with with the cultural megaphone who are shouting from the rooftops that this is what regular people want um you know, like, like you said, it's, it's 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 a handful of of industry people, and then a handful of 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 uh, you know university students. But there's like this huge gap in the middle who's just going like, yeah, it's just I, entertain me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> distract me or from. I just want and then from the writer side, it's like I just want to write a good story. I just want to yeah. write a story that people connect with. Like, come on, and and so like I think. I think it's sad because I feel like we're not getting a lot of really good content right now. Like there's so much content and there's content everywhere. It's like overload. You know, they, they've made more movies than they ever have before. They've, they make more TV shows. There's way more, you know, uh, and they, they make a TV show for a season and then you're like, ah, that didn't do well. And they close it and then, you know, they cancel it and like, and then we're "We're just gonna make another one and we're gonna make, you know, and it keeps happening. There's so there's content overload and hardly any of it is really worth watching to me. Like I feel, and I, and I'm kind of sad about that because I love narrative. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I feel like I have to go to the old stuff. Like, I'm like, I haven't seen this. It's from 10 years ago. Maybe it's good. Let's try it. Like I'm going backwards in time now to get my entertainment. (laughs) Um, another aspect that worries me about Aperture 25 and that the whole, you know, an initiative to increase uh, diversity and inclusion for, for Oscar nominees um, is the privacy issue. So I, I have here um, 
a quote from, from the LA Mag article. Um, not surprisingly, the plan is not being universally applauded in Hollywood. Critics say it's invasive, anti-creative, opens the door to privacy issues, and is and is spectacularly spectacularly unfair to actors and crew members who may want to keep their sexual orientation or health profiles to themselves. Not to mention to producers and directors who have enough to worry about while shooting a movie than to be saddled with the thankless task of tallying up the identity markers of their creative partners. Um, yeah, just from a production standpoint. So. Um, uh, I have a friend who does sound for movies and TV shows, and uh, so many things fall through the cracks. Basic things fall through the cracks when when you're in the midst of shooting something. Um, so now it's like on top of all that, we have to like go around with the person with a check uh, with the with. Uh, with the clipboard, oh, this, what's your race? Uh, what's your disability? Uh, this is like, and like, it's it's absolutely insane. It's putting way more pressure um, on 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 productions, and I don't think that's that's going to help the end result. I don't think that you know, like, I, I want them to focus on the creative side, and not yeah, and, not checking out boxes. And honestly, I think a lot of employees would be like, I don't really feel that I I need to tell you these things. Like, right. you don't need to know my mental health status unless it's literally creating a problem at work you don't need to know my sexuality like right. you don't need to know these things and, and asking people to out themselves like this yeah uh, about anything private is not yeah. necessary like it really and, and honestly if you ask these questions 20 years ago or or even 30 or 40 people would be like excuse me yeah. Uh, that's not okay. You're not allowed to ask me these questions. Like, right. Literally, some of the questions that the that they would have to ask are things you're legally not allowed to ask someone, like in an interview. Right. Like, you're not allowed to ask someone if they're married. You're not allowed to ask someone if they're gay or straight. You're not allowed to ask these questions. Yeah. So it's yeah. sort of like, why do you think it's okay to ask them once they're hired? Like, right. it's still not okay. You don't need to know. Yeah. And, yeah, and, I, I I hope that that if and when the, the, this um, these initiatives start to take place on on productions going forward, um, that hopefully that there's like a wave of like you know uh, casting crew members answering you know not applicable or or, <laughs> or not available or whatever. There's just, just just a whole wave of NAs. Okay, well I can't. I guess uh, I, I or, or prefer not to answer. Prefer right. not to answer. Like exactly. I, yeah. When they asked me that on things, that's what I always put. I don't fucking care. No. They, they don't yeah. need to know. If they ask me what my um, preferred pronouns are, I say prefer not to answer. If they yeah. if they ask me if I'm a Ms. Mister Doctor Ms. Yeah. What you know, what Mrs. Whatever, don't answer. Like they don't need to know these things. Right. And right. and it's funny too because I could actually benefit from telling people I'm a woman on forums like that because. Uh, not only because of the ideology, but because then they don't send me like emails and letters that refer to me as a man because yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> and, and honestly, I'm like, it's not a big deal unless I'm talking right. to a doctor. Yeah. It does it really matter that they think I'm a man? Right. You know? right. Yeah. Yeah. Which really, honestly, if someone says, "Oh, if I had known you were a woman, I would have like given you priority. I would go bye forever." Because I don't want to work with you. Right. If you literally tell me that, I don't. That means you treat the sexes differently in in a way that is not acceptable. Like it's acceptable right. for doctors to treat people of different sexes differently. Right. It's okay. Like it's okay to recognize sex differences, but you cannot prejudge people's 
behavior and, and like worth and whether or not you give them priority in life based on their sex. That's not okay. So to me, yeah. I'm like, I, I get worried when I start hearing people say something like that about me. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were a woman. Let me change how I treat you to make, <laughs> to be nicer. I'm like, whoa. Right, right. So do you treat every man this way or? <laughs> like it's a big deal to me. I'm like, oh, you just told me you're prejudiced. You just, you just admitted it. You just yeah. admitted to me that you're prejudiced. I don't right. think I need you in my life. Right. Yeah. And they, don't, it, it, they don't get it. They think because I'm a minority, like technically, that I, that, that would be good for me, that I would appreciate it. It's like, no, I don't want to be around you. I don't know what other ways you're prejudiced. No. <laughs> right. No, no, it's 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 ridiculous because another thing too is that um, these standards are constantly shifting. Um, you know, the, the, so 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 the 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 list of of identities uh, that will need to be checked off um, is just going to keep growing. Like that's just going to put more and more of a burden on production. So they're going to put uh, disabled on there. They're going to put mental a mental health issue on there. They're going to no. put overweight people on there. The, everything everything's going to end up on there eventually. Yeah. Like. Except for white men, white straight right, white yeah. men are literally not going to be on the list at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the, so, the one thing. <laughs> not really related to filmmaking, uh, but still kind of related to to pop culture. Um, so uh, I recently applied to be a writer for Screen Rant, um, and just for the hell of it, just uh, maybe write an article or two a week or something, make a little extra money on the side, and uh, uh, I declined. Uh, because I was going through the training session and there's a sensitivity portion and, uh, it was so I needed to get, I needed to drink a beer to get through it. It was so bad. It was one of those things where it's like, um, they would have a video playing and you, and if you clicked away, then the video would just automatically pause. So you had to sit there and like watch it. So it's like, all right, fine. Like I need to do something because I'm not going to watch it. I'm just gonna, um, <laughs> so, but I remember, um, because this is just like, like a week ago. So I always thought that um, able-bodied was the politically correct term to describe someone who is, you know, who didn't have a condition. I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know what, the, but I thought able-bodied was the was the polite, politically correct thing. It is not anymore, or at least uh, I guess you know, screen rant is on the the forefront of what's new and in inclusive language. Um, no, the the new term is uh, because I had to take a test. And I failed the test. Um, so able-bodied is not the correct term. The correct term is non-disabled. What? So, so disabled <laughs> is like the default and everyone else, it's just like, well, like how are you in relation to a disability? Oh my God. That's so crazy. And I thought able-bodied was like, for me, I thought it was only like a few years old. So I was like, okay, this will be the new term for the next 10 years or whatever. I was like, no, no, it's, it's, it's right. It's course. We got to move on. <laughs> They change it so fast. When one of the reasons why they change it so fast is that people start using it, using their terms in like acerbic kind of ways, right. and that pisses them off. So they have to change it again. Like, oh. <laughs> listen, when it comes to, I actually taught this in a classroom about words about because I taught a a article, uh, an, a personal essay called "On Being a Cripple," mm. and. It was about the idea that words change over time because people use them in a way that is negative, and then a, the people want a new word that is no longer negative. And this happens for years and years and years and years and years. So, like, like idiot and moron, they used to be, and dumb too. 
they all used to be medical terms. Mm. And then, oh, people use them badly. So we had to change them. And yeah, now, yeah. and then we got retarded. Oh, people started using it badly. So we had to change it. Now it's like, what is it? Mental, uh, mentally handicapped. Right. And then, and then like, but people still use mentally handicapped badly too. Right. right. <laughs> so to me, I'm sort of like, you're not going to stop people from using your words, your term in a negative fashion if they want to get over it <laughs> right and they don't seem to get it it's like this is like trying to stop a waterfall you're not gonna make it happen right, okay? right. <laughs> yeah so so you know you getting back to the hollywood thing and and the, and, and the oscars it's like those lists if they implement this those lists will need to be you know updated i don't know weekly daily hourly <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, to to reflect what the what the Twitter activists are are are, are in favor of now. <laughs> well, and then like so, streaming networks have also kind of gone the inclusion route. Like you mentioned something about like oh, you know, the marketing picture for um, Luke Cage, and it has like yeah. mostly it's black people on that yeah. show, yeah. obviously. Um, but like when Resident Evil came out, that mm-hmm. Netflix was going to do Resident Evil, and they they showed all the photos and everything, and. First of all, so many freaking Zoomers, and then, and then like Wesker is played by um, Lance Reddick, which uh, I like Lance Reddick, by the sure. way. I liked I liked Fringe, um, and he was in something else that I really liked that I can't remember. But he's he's good. But like I made so many jokes because Lance Reddick is, is among these Zoomers who all are diverse and create like so many women, so many like different, you know, races among, among the cast and Lance Reddick, his face looks like either kill me now or or, like, I'm so fucking done. Like he does not want to be there. That's what his face says. And And it made me laugh so hard. And like, did anyone really want Resident Evil to be diverse? Like, yeah. th- we're talking about uh, a series of video games that is about like weird body horror stuff and yeah. shooting monsters. Right. And Wester is a monster. So you literally hired the black guy to be the bad guy. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, like, oh, they made those shitty movies that got shittier as time went on. But, like, <laughs> Like, I don't think anyone cares about a Resident Evil adaptation in the first place, especially right. Resident Evil fans. So yeah. Netflix keeps making adaptations where they're like, what did all these, this uh, plethora of people that we, you know, hired, we got, we got all the colors in the crayon box in our, in our new show. And won't you, don't you want to watch it? And I'm like, I don't know that I do. Like, you know, and they keep having to cancel shows. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is that like it's it, it's it's crazy how the culture wars has 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 it, it changed my view on certain things. Because a few years ago, I would have been very critical of companies, of of media companies, um, simply focusing on the bottom line, just 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 how many subscribers and how much money are we making. But now I want them to go back to that. <laughs> because, because, Me too. So, it's like okay, just change the dollar. So, like, I mean, so for example, like, 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 you know, every time Dave Chappelle releases a special on Netflix, 
you know, it, it it might seem like a lot where where you know Dave Dave Chappelle releases a special, it gets a lot of controversy, and so Netflix gets ten thousand people you know yelling at them on Twitter. It's like yeah, but you got twelve million people to tune in. Who gives a fuck about the ten thousand dipshits? Focus on the twelve million subscribers who who, who tuned yeah. in. Um, so it's like now I'm like yeah, dude, just chase the money now. Don't chase yeah. the Twitter cloud now. Just go for the fucking audience. Well, and when they made the TV show Sensei, which I did watch, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I watched the show and I enjoyed it for the most part. I had some problems with it, but here's the thing. It's an incredibly diverse group of people, but uh, they were from all over the world. There was literally a person who was in Africa. There was literally a person who was in India. There was literally a person in South Korea and it was in, and one in Mexico. And it's like, yeah, so their diversity makes sense when you literally place them in these different countries. Like, it totally, right. I'm like, I don't have a problem with this. Yeah, now, yeah. Obviously, the Wachowskis have a trans character in there because they're trans. And right, right. honestly, if you are trans and you're writing about the trans experience, that makes sense to some regard. Like, you know, sure. it's like, it's, you know, write what you know and everything. Like, I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, uh, yeah. But, and she wasn't like huge. She wasn't, right. she didn't over dominate the entire storyline so it's right. not like and it was it it got to a point where it didn't matter that she was trans like it didn't matter to the plot it had nothing right. to do with anything so it's like i don't care anymore i yeah. don't mind yeah. so like to me that worked but then they do something uh where they have to gen they have to gender swap they have to race swap people to get it done and i'm like why are you doing this like another pretty good example of pre super woke um which by the way Ob the obamas did like essentially buy netflix so it kind of that's when things started going downhill yeah but like altered carbon uh the first season is my favorite one of my favorite tv shows of all time mm. it's so good and it has diversity in it there's a there's a mexican woman in it there's uh a russian japanese guy in a white guy's body so that's a little confusing but right, right. and then there's there's a Muslim guy in it and there's a, there is a Japanese guy and everything. And to be honest with you, none of that bothered me. And it was it, because the characters were all like real and they yeah. were well-developed and the storyline was amazing. And mm -hmm. it asked really inter interesting questions about consciousness and what makes you human and how do you deal with this kind of technology? It was really interesting and season two comes out and I can't even finish it oh. <laughs> because they made everybody black. Everyone's black. Oh. And I'm like, I, okay, you have less diversity than you did before. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and then here's the thing is that, um, you know, when you cater for the woke audience, like the, the, the super hyper woke audience is actually still very small. Um, and there, and here's the problem though, too, is that they're also very fickle. You will never be able to fully satisfy them. So, so like, I, I, you know, um, I remember it was uh, for the first Doctor Strange movie. Um, the ancient one in the comics was 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 an old Asian guy, um, but uh, uh, they uh, uh, at Marvel Studios thought that uh, um, th they changed his character to a white woman who was played by Tilda Swinton uh, mm -hmm. because they thought that that the old Asian guy like it was, was too much of an Asian stereotype. Um, but then audiences complained, or I shouldn't say audiences, woke audiences complained um, that they changed an Asian character into a white character. 
Uh, and so it's just like, yeah, they like, but, but that's the thing is like, you lose the ethnic diversity, but you increase the gender diversity, but, you, but then it still pissed people off. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, yeah, well, I would just stay true to the, the source material. There was also a thought that they changed it because he was from Nepal. Oh, Tibet? Tibet. No, he was from Tibet. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. Yes, that was that, also that's, a factor. That was the real reason why they changed it. To ch right, they right. claimed it was because oh, the Asian you know master stereotype. is a is a stereotype. No, you kind of changed it so that you didn't have to deal with the the Chinese issue. You right, know, the, the Chinese right. market issue. Like that's right. And then they got mad. And and it's like uh, it, it's it's so silly to me though because it's like you're trying to play to a Chinese audience that has a lot of race issues, a lot of issues about countries nearby, and you're also trying to play to a woke crowd. You right. cannot win both of those crowds at the same time. You can't. You actually can't. Like you can edit the movie a little bit, but you like if you literally changed his him to a white woman. It's yeah. not going to work with the right. woke crowd. Like, right. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be surprised. They're like, oh, what if it's a white male? It's like, oh, but we can't do that. Well, let's, let's add, let's change it to a white female then. It's like, okay, but that's still going to piss people off. So it's like, it's like no matter what. Um, yeah, my, my, you, because the woke are, are constantly moving forward in their minds. Um, <laughs> Blazing <laughs> that trail that has a family of four walking down it before them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that they think they're trailblazers, but it's like you are literally walking a path that everyone else has already walked. Like right. when it comes to actual progress. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're you're blazing a walking trail. Okay. Yes. There's and literally a bathroom down the road that you can <laughs> use. Okay. <laughs> but they act like they're so brave and they're they're fighting back. And it's just it's silly. It's really silly. Yeah, uh, and, and in many cases they're they're going backwards. Down the path. So, like, you know, um, uh, I, I, I've, you know, there, there are many woke people who will problematize uh, uh, like interracial couples because they see like power dynamic mm. between a white man wanting to marry a black woman. And there's like, oh, like, that's just a, a white man trying to go back to his roots of owning a, a black woman first. And it's like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we're like, oh, cool, interracial couples, that's accepted, that's tolerated now, cool, great, that's progress. But now we're saying, like, oh, that's problematic because it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> I honestly, that was my big wake up call in 2020 was when I started seeing all these people claim that interracial marriages and were wrong and that mixed race children were like a failing. I was like, holy shit. And that's when I really started like examining more of what they were saying. And I was like, this is, this is hateful. This is bigotry. I'm not going to take part in this. And like, to me, the word intersectionality at first meant like, oh, you'd like really examine all aspects of this person's life and you can discover that there's this way in which they're, uh, they're underprivileged and they're suffering, which that sounds reasonable. Like, oh, this, this person uh, is billionaire, but they also have schizophrenia. Like, oh my God, that's, that's terrible. I don't have schizophrenia. Right. I'm, I'm lucky, you know? And then, <laughs> but then like, no, no, that's not what that means. No. <laughs> they have a very rigid, rigid meaning of hierarchy for that. And I'm like, that's not, I, I'm not, I'm not there for that. Like, is basically no, I, you could be a homeless white dude and you'd be more privileged than 
basically everybody else. And I'm like, right. no, shut up. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think intersectionality is actually a great way to describe woke thought because it is like an intersection of ideas, but they're all just kind of crashing into each other. Like none of them, like they, they all, so it's sort of like, so again, harkening back to, to my Silicon Valley uh, startup uh, days, um, you know, like, and this, and this is coming from the same group of, of you know, feminist oriented uh, 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 people in, in Silicon Valley. It's like, on the one hand, they're saying that um, uh, uh, men and women are equally talented. And therefore, the reason why, you know, you're, you're not hiring more women is because you're actually discriminating. But then on the other hand, they're saying women have unique traits than men, which is why you, you need more women because they bring something unique. So it's like, which is it? Are they this, are men and women the same or are they different? Like, I don't, this is kind of the same group of people. Like, like pick yeah. one. Well, I can take, I can accept one of those answers, but I can't accept the other at the same time. Like pick one. Yeah, really. Well, because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on within woke uh, ideology that right. is literally why it's driving them insane. Yes. But um, <laughs> there was, oh yeah, bringing it back to Netflix, there was another yeah. Netflix show, the Lost in Space TV show. Mm. I think they finally came out with a season two, but I watched season one. And the weirdest thing about that show is that it's a family of white people. Like one of them is Molly Parker, I think is the actress's name. Mm. One of them is the guy who was the star of Black Sails. Mm. So a very ginger man. Mm. And um, their two kids and the mom's kid from a previous marriage who is half black <laughs> it's, like, it's like you because in the original all three of the kids are both their kids and they literally changed it to have her be so that they could have her be black uh, because they're like we know it's only going to be these people plus dr smith uh, who turned out to be parker posey of all people uh, but um yeah, it was like, and I, I, I enjoyed it to, to the science and the, the interplay between the characters was all pretty good. But I was like, this is just weird. Like, honestly, this is a little weird that you felt the need to do this. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like it's, and that, that show was from a few years ago. It seems like it's just getting worse. Yes. Uh, and it seems like they're literally passing on scripts and admitting they're passing on scripts across the board, not just at Netflix. Yeah. So we, we have this other article where they, they admit it. They admit that they've been passing on scripts. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it says, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, says ABC passed on pilots for not being inclusive enough. So this, is some, this means something like Friends, which is one of the highest grossing TV shows of all time, would not be made. Yeah. Uh, and I have often heard that from various reviewers that oh friends has has no black people in it and it almost doesn't like it literally almost doesn't right, right. Uh, <laughs> and then like a show like the bin bang theory would be mm, maybe not like raj that's a little better yeah, uh, yeah. howard doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> you know howard doesn't count <laughs> no, no. but yeah so they're like will, they're willing to pass on scripts incredibly well written scripts yes yeah, it's, um, I mean, you know, a big part of, of wokeness is, is you know, uh, attacking the very idea of marriage, um, which uh, I don't know why they think, you know, in the industry that that will result in good storytelling. It's like, I mean, like, just middle America likes to be entertained. Uh, regular people who are not, who did not take gender studies <laughs> courses, um, yeah, I mean, so so um, there was a, a, a movie, 
it was it was a, it was a transgender vampire movie that came out a few years ago called Bit, and I did an article on it for Medium, and it was I, I I hadn't seen the movie, but it was just based on interviews with the director, and he was talking about how he read all these feminist books and and, and books on on gender ideology and how he incorporated that into his film. And when you watch the trailer, it's so on the nose. I mean. It, it was so obvious that it was anti-male and, and, and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, they're really going out of their way to make movies for, for people who, who have like masters in, you know, feminist dance theory or whatever. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how small is your audience, man? How much money are you spending on this audience for like, what, a 10,000 people? Like what, what right. the hell are you doing? And because here's the thing is that even people who have those degrees might not necessarily like movies. Exactly. Yeah. That's a bigger <laughs> risk, honestly, is making a movie that's like, well, th th this is, you know, this is about transgender uh, ideology and, and placement in society. It's like, it's like, yeah, buddy, we're not going to give you a million dollars to make this indie flick. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're taking all the wrong risks in, in Hollywood. Yes. Like, and again, going back to the thing, it's like, I'd rather that, that, that Hollywood uh, went back to what they considered safe, 10 years ago of just big dumb action movies like that's better than what we're getting now yes definitely well and then there's uh there's that movie freaky i think that came out last year i don't know if yeah. you've heard of it yeah, yeah. I, I i watched it i found it incredibly enjoyable mm. and one of the reasons why i wanted to watch it is because it had twitter freaking out because mm. <laughs> they were like oh my god it's it's basically every uh cis person's nightmare you're playing up these things and it's like it has nothing to do with trans okay it's right. freaky friday meets michael myers okay right. that's the concept and yeah. it's yeah. fucking hilarious okay and it actually had a lot of woke moments to it like there's a gay student in mm -hmm. it there's uh -huh. a point where uh her crush kisses her when she's in the body of vince vaughn oh. and it like <laughs> so it's like you guys complained about it and it yeah. totally could have like nailed your ideas in the first place because it kind of a little bit does but no. it doesn't make it the centerpiece of the movie the no. movie is just supposed to be this fun silly horror film and it mostly is that's mostly yeah. what that movie is and right. i could actually stomach some of that woke stuff like when it's that small like right. i'm not right. i'm not gonna like oh my god i'm so delicate I, uh, every not everything was perfect like Sure. I'm not that delicate about my content, but right. like it was mostly just a fun movie and they literally freaked out before uh, they even saw it just because of the trailers. And, I'm yeah, like, yeah. and, and I, and I'm so glad I did watch it cause I did really enjoy it. And I yeah. felt like it actually was taking some risks on that front because it's like this, it's risky to even bring up these subjects yeah, yeah. because even bringing them up, even bringing up their ideological, you know, sacred cows could result, even if you're supportive of them in the yeah. end, yeah. could end up getting you with a mob after you. That's how dumb these people are. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my, my roommate and I, we, we uh, not too long ago, we watched that Clint Eastwood movie, Gran Torino. I don't know if you've seen that mm, one. I have seen that one. Um, and we were like, we really enjoyed it. And the whole time we were just like, yeah, this movie would get canceled so fast if it were to come out today. But it's, it's also secretly woke because it's about a, a grumpy old racist white man who learns to be less racist. Um, but I doubt that a woke audience would be able to grasp that. Well, I think, it's, I, I think that at that point, side it might be considered you could label it liberal at that yeah. point 
Like, you know, like not necessarily like woke ideology. I don't know. It's not like, because some of the, like, don't be a bigot is, is not, they don't own that. Like, (laughs) I don't think they own it. They didn't come up with it. Although they like to act like they did. It's much older than that. Of course. So to me, that's where, where that movie lands, which is a really good movie. I love Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one that I suggest because it's, it brings up a lot of ideas about, gain violence and mm-hmm. uh how people can feel trapped by it and yeah. um and the and like it has some it has some funny moments too like yeah, when yeah. he's when one of his kids gives him a um a grabber so that he doesn't have to like bend over or reach too high and i'm like yeah 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 you gave the guy who's twin eastwood by the way who's <laughs> essentially a giant yeah. Uh, a grabber. <laughs> like he can reach all the top shelves. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, that always made me laugh. Yeah, like yeah. The most, yeah, and the point of that gift is to show how like disconnected his family is from him. And it's like, right. that's brilliant. That's, yeah. You didn't have to tell me that. Yeah. You yeah. Me that. And that's, that's the kind of stuff I feel like we're missing now is yes. the show. Don't tell. Because it's so much easier to tell with ideology. It's so much harder to show, like, that something is, you know, this is what you believe. You know, that's you can't proselytize when you're showing. It's it's a lot more difficult. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I'm definitely you know, um, I see a lot of the proselytizing here in LA just in, 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 you know, local creative institutions. So for example, I went to the, uh, a while back, I went to the hammer museum and uh, uh, seeing the contrast between like student art and like actual artists. Um, it was night and day, like seeing like the more activist oriented stuff versus like, you know, they, they actually had some, some original paintings from, from fresh impressionists. And, um, and so uh, they had like a feminist, uh, exhibition there that I managed to stomach a little bit. And um, I remember one of the, the works was it was a blown up um, picture uh, of a naked woman from like Hustler magazine or something. And then just like neon paint just splattered on it. I mean, the, and it was obviously it was about the male gaze and like it was, it was, and it was even in the description about subverting male expectations of beauty, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, there's nothing for me to ponder over. Like, I know it, you're, there's no mystery here. Um, I think, you know, a, a much more interesting uh, approach to art making is something where it's like, yeah, it could be seen as feminist, but it could also be seen as, as you know, favoring the male uh, uh, perspective on things. It's like, I like that. I, that's interesting. Confuse people. Like, give people, you know, I, 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 this think. isn't it. Exactly. It, it always <laughs> cracks me up. I, I can't remember the last time that this happened, but like whenever a movie comes out and both conservatives and liberals are 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 angry are angry about it i'm like oh that's cool like it's 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 pissing people it's pissing everybody off because you know um different people can come to it and, and come come out of it with different interpretations like that's what good art should do yes definitely uh th- you remind me of something i saw something hmm. when i was in college there was a uh, there was a room that they displayed art in hmm. in the art building and one of them it, it was the, the all the art was by this one guy and it was all uh just drawn just pencil drawings and the one of the photos one of the drawings is of a of a young woman you can't quite see her face and she's like doing this and she's got this like look of anguish kind of underneath her fist mm-hmm. and um and i was like wow that's like a lot of emotion going on there and and then i looked at the title and it was called miranda's rights 
<laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> because if you know the history of uh. the Miranda's rights thing, that one, that one was kind of a gut punch. I was like, okay, you said what you actually wanted to say, but you did a good job of it, honestly, right, right. because like, I don't know, Justice Earl Warren is someone like if he was a collectivist, he was an activist judge and he would he was he was progressive he was already a problem and he didn't care about victims rights and right. so to me i was sort of like i already knew the history of all that but you have to know a lot to yeah. really understand that image right right like, except for the fact that like like i said the the drawing it's already evoking it you're like wow she's in a lot of anguish you can see that yeah so it's yeah. like you're, you he did capture the the feeling at least like and and it's probably how he felt reading about the the Miranda's rights situation, which I, I understand because sure, uh, yeah. I felt horrible reading about that. I was like, this felt like a miscarriage of justice to me. Hmm. Um, so, but like the thing is, though, is that like he didn't come out and say, "Justice Earl Warren is an asshole." Like <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like a drawing of justice or Earl Warren with his throat slit or something stupid like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I would have considered like, this is dumb. Like, I don't need to see this, you know? Yeah. There's like a different quality to that. Well, (laughs) even when a story conveys a political or social idea that I agree with, I still don't like it because it's like, yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm agreeing with it, but that's, I didn't come to a movie to agree with it i came to be hopefully challenged like like you know put, put me through the ringer like show me something that i've never experienced before um but don't just be like yeah this is where we stand on this issue it's like yeah okay i agree but I'm, <laughs> I, i'm not a, i'm not at a rally I, I'm, I'm here to just be entertained and, and like i don't want to think about politics right now yeah well i mean i i think with movies are a lot harder to really push an idea through. I think like because of the movies and, and, and fiction, because I'm sort of like, you need to um, give me good characters, strong plot. You need to focus. There's a lot of demands on that kind of story. And like a piece of static art, like is, you know, it's like, it's just an image. You just look at it. You just glance at it. You know, like, it's not like you could stare at it for a very long time if you wanted to, but it doesn't give you, it's not as engaging, honestly, uh, as a movie. And I know a lot of artists are going to be pissed at me for saying that, but a movie is two hours long and involves a lot of moving parts. And, and that's just the truth of it. And so to me, I feel like it's a lot harder to maintain contact with an audience for that long and just proselytize. It's like sitting there for an hour and a half or reading, like, oh my God, reading a whole novel yeah, of yeah. just proselytizing. You are asking a lot of yes. your audience, right. a lot of their engagement. And I can't, like, you can sometimes get away with it uh, with satire, with sure. um, with something short, but mm-hmm. like honestly, if you are doing something that you, you know, you're just trying to entertain people, you cannot proselytize. I just don't see how it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and and, and but it's but it's easy for the writer to do that. You just be like, yeah, this is what I think. So this is all I'm going to be, you know, 
every line of dialogue will, will be to serve this 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 idea. Um, I'm going through a wonderful screenwriting book right now, and and even though the book was written, I don't know, 2010, like before a lot of this woke stuff um, came along, um, I'm glad that that even the author of the book recognized um, the difference between having a theme and you know lecturing your audience like there's yes. one thing to have you know like a, a general idea um but make sure that you're not constantly hammering at home and he goes even if you take a stance on it make sure that you give just as much um ammunition to the opposite of it um so so even if so, so I mean, let's just say something non-political let's just say that the theme of your movie is family is the most important thing of life okay fine that's something that we can all generally agree with but if but if that's going to be like the main point of your movie then make sure to have some scenes about how destructive families can be um, like, don't just, you know, constantly tell your audience, Hey, family is important. Remember family is important. Family's <laughs> number one. It's no, but, but I'm also going to show the flip side of how sometimes families can be very destructive for individuals. Um, but you know, that takes a lot of, uh, uh, work, uh, that a lot of writers, I think, um, especially in this, in this cultural landscape where it's easier to get work, you know, criticizing straight white men than it is to be like, you know, I'm going to dive deep into the power, into um, what is politics and 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 how power can corrupt even good people? It's like, I'm going to dive deep into that. It's like, no, no, no. This has to. We want to. We want the Democrat to win in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then like, uh, it's kind of funny because I'm thinking about the idea that you um, uh, there's all these these writers who essentially want to write fiction, which is in movies or books or TV shows, whatever, what have you, and tell us exactly what to think and what they think about these very serious subjects to right. which I respond, write an article. <laughs> I have no problem with you giving your bullshit ideology in an article. Just do right. it. Cause it's, but don't bring it into fiction. Yes. Like I want you, if you are going to be in fiction, you better be daring. Yeah. You better take risks and you better like look at, really how the other side works the other yes. side of things right and it's difficult that's a lot of hard work i right. know but be daring and yeah. and put in that work like you guys they always say put in that work and I was like, yeah. you do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i mean but you know it, it is very difficult it's, it's difficult for the artist um to put in the amount of work you know, into the story of like making giving multiple sides their due um, and it's also difficult, um, you know, when the story's released, um, you know, kind of like, like I mentioned earlier, like people are going to uh, uh, take different opinions on it. Like, so it, it's, it's, I understand the impulse to have like, you know, like I want my audience to learn something from this movie and I want them to, to see the world the way I see it. But you also have to be, you have to be willing to be like, yeah, this will probably provoke the exact opposite reaction that I intend, but I'm willing to endure that as the artist because I've said what I needed to say and I'm let the, it's in the audience's hands now. Like that's not easy yeah. for a lot of artists to, to, to do. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that art is a spineless game. Like it, right. it yeah. really isn't like yeah, if yeah. E, because here's the thing, you are putting your, a piece of yourself in that work Yeah. and that, and it hurts when someone doesn't like it. But yeah. someone's not going to like it. I guarantee right. it. It's right. a 100% possibility that is, it's a guarantee. It yeah. is going yeah. to happen. Someone's not going to like it. They're going to say really mean things about it. And you yeah. have got to be prepared for that. Yes. And 
honestly, it's kind of hilarious and immature to hear people go like, oh, some people don't like it. I do. It must be because yeah, then they have to like, just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have to give all these excuses as to why. And it's like, no, it's because you did something they didn't like. Just yeah. admit it. Like, yeah. And maybe what you did was actually bad. Like, right. And that's right. a possibility. Yeah. Uh, have some humility in, in being an artist. But like yeah. it takes bravery, but it also takes humility. You can't. Yes. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah, absolutely. be spineless and arrogant in being an artist. <laughs> there's, um, there's a great quote from uh, Albert Cam Camus, the existentialist guy. Um, he gave a speech. Uh, in 1957 and after he won the Pulitzer Prize. And um, the, the, the speech is actually, uh, you can buy it. It's, it's been, it's, 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 it's a little booklet thing. It's, it's called um, Create Dangerously, The Power and Responsibility of the Artist. And, and I definitely recommend everyone who's, who's interested in, in, in this culture war that, that we're going through, and especially its effects on, on the artists, um, to, to check it out. It's cheap. It's like seven bucks, something for like a little thing. But there's a great quote in, in, uh, uh, in there that, that has really stuck with me. It, it, it goes something like this. Uh, but perhaps there is no peace for an artist except for the peace found in the heat of battle. And I love the idea of the artist being a fighter um, of like, no matter what, there will always be some, there will always be challenges. There will always be someone who's trying to silence you, whether it's from, from the political side or the social side or from the critical side or from the business side, like you, you have to stand by your work um, and don't think that you can just release something into the world and people will love it and you will be cherished and you will make money from that. So no, you have to fight at, at every stage. You're, have to, you're gonna have to fight writer's block. You're gonna have to fight the lack of ideas. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I want to see more artists stand up and take risks and be willing to endure the slings and arrows of, of going out there and saying, this is what I think is going on in the world right now. And, and if you don't like it, then that's fine. I don't care. I'll take my business elsewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we're, but we're, we're seeing too many creators, especially in Hollywood, to bring it all back, um, who are just willing to uh, bow down to a very small uh, a relative minority of people who are saying, no, this is what you should think. And this is this is who you should vote for. And I want you I want you to reflect my political views. It's like, yeah, they're 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 making movies about explosions and the aliens and dragons. Like, <laughs> don't 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 politicize this. Oh, and especially uh, politicizing superhero fantasy. Like it's it's literally a fantasy. Like it's yeah. so insane to politicize that. Like yeah, yeah. We, a lot of art is escapism. Superheroes are one of those. Yes. Um, yes. And they they it's like I don't want politics in my escapist fantasy. Okay. No, like. No especially no. not there. Right, um, right. And it's funny too, because I don't necessarily mind political themes and like more serious sure. content and right. everything, but I don't know. They're just, they gotta have it in everything. They, it's gotta be everywhere. Right. <laughs> like a virus right. to, to kind of quote Gadsad. But right. thank you so much for joining me tonight, yeah. Joe. We were on for a while. So I'm yeah. like, I gotta go feed the cats. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, let my audience know where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Garza Creates, and on Medium, I'm also under Joe Garza and the Reckless Muse. Um, just search for that on Medium, and that's where we have the publication. And if anybody out there is interested in writing some articles for the for the publication, uh, we I would love to hear from you. And uh, check out our podcast, The Reckless Muse Cast. Um, we're also on Twitter. Um, so yeah, search us, and and you'll find us. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Alex. This is great. And uh, looking forward to the next conversation. Yeah, definitely. So uh, this is 451 Degrees, the uh, anti-censorship podcast on the Unsafe Space Network. 
Uh, if you could walk your fingers over to the like, share, and subscribe buttons, we really appreciate it. Um, tomorrow, there's going to be an interesting episode of Rebel uh, Civets about the Second Amendment. Uh, I'm just going to say it right now. There are there is no dangerous thoughts tomorrow. Um, and Man. then, yeah, I know. <laughs> We're all going to have to have our own dangerous thoughts this week, unfortunately. <laughs> and then we got Token Minority Report on Thursday, and that's the schedule for the rest of the week. Hopefully narrative dissonance is back on Monday. I will let you guys know on social media and I will see you guys next time. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production does not meet WHO health and safety standards. Please report to a United Nations Sanitization Center immediately. Association with the following individuals is strictly prohibited. Experts who benefit from printing money agree that printing money does not cause price inflation. Trust me, just two more weeks to slow the spread of monkeypox. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy- Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.